Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. All right, Mariko, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Mariko. Um, I'm really nervous. Sarah asked me to speak months ago, and I spent months not thinking about today because I didn't want to stress myself out. Um, but here's the day, and I can't get rid of it now. <laughs> Here I am. Um, let's see. My sobriety date is uh, December 31st, 2011. I have a sponsor who has a sponsor, and she knows she's my sponsor. Um, I... What? What? I don't know. I'm really nervous. Goodness. Look at all your faces. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started drinking when I was 14. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area in the East Bay. I grew up in Albany, and then I grew, and then I went to El Cerrito High. Um, and I was a freshman. I started drinking, and um, I remember the first time I got drunk, I was... Uh, just like free, you know, I I was, I was free of whatever I had, all the shit in my head and my feelings that I had grown up with that I carried around me. Um, and so I really liked that feeling of like, just like letting go, you know? So I was like, every Friday I was like, when is, when is Friday coming? Every day I couldn't wait. Friday I would skip school and go drink with everyone. And, um, I became a truant, Eventually, I got arrested for Grand Theft Auto. Um, eventually, I got kicked out of my house. Um, you know, I had a lot of consequences, but I wasn't... My consequences didn't bother me that much. I just thought, like, uh, that sucked. Probably shouldn't do that again, or probably shouldn't hang out with those people. Um, but I never thought, like, oh, this my drinking. I never... I never wanted to look at my drinking and I never, it never really crossed my mind. You know, I always thought that alcoholics were, um, you know, like old men that like sat in like a dark room and smoked cigarettes and like lived on the street. Like I didn't know that it was possible for like a young girl to be an alcoholic, like a young person or, you know, whatever. Um, I had consequences, but I didn't have, um, that too low of a low. I was always functional. Um, I was never fired as a direct result of my drinking. Um, I was fired by other things. But, um, yeah, I was uh, I was drinking, and I, I got this job. I remember I was working at Chevy's in Emeryville. And, I, like, at the same time, I was going to DVC or Berkeley City College. And um, I remember, like, everyone, like, the managers, like, wanted me to work more. And I was like, I only need to work two days a week. Like, why do I have to work anymore? And it was, like, just enough to cover whatever expenses. Like, I was living at home. Like, I didn't have high aspirations, I guess you'd say. I just had a, I just wanted enough to get by and, like, do whatever I was doing, you know? So that was cool. And um, eventually I got accepted to school in L.A., and um, I went down there, and within a month of being on my own, I realized I was an alcoholic. It, it went really fast, and um, I came to an AA meeting, and everyone was like, not everyone. The speaker said what I felt, what I needed to hear, 
And that was the first time anyone had ever said the things that I was thinking. I had been in, um, in therapy for many years and, um, therapy didn't really do it for me. Um, for some reason it just didn't cut it. And when I came here, I realized like, okay, this is the reason what is going on with my life. This is the way, this is the reason why my life is the way it is. Um, why I've gone in so many fights and so many tears and, you know, all these broken friendships and why I can't keep a job, whatnot. Um, so at the end of the meeting, um, everyone got up and like held hands and it was really weird. And you guys were like, keep coming back. It works if you work it. But to me, it was like, God, 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 like that's all it sounded like. And I was like, Ooh, cults, cults. So I was like, I'm not going to be here, but I am going to do control drinking. So I drank, um, I tried to drink controlled and I started with, um, white wine and that didn't work. I ended up in getting kicked off out of, of a plane and strapped down and yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and then I tried red wine that didn't work. And then I just gave up and I was like, well, I'm an alcoholic. So I'm just going to drink like an alcoholic. So I did that. And, um, like as a, like my feelings kept just piling up, piling up. And, um, it was like, I always had this thing that I called like the, the new year's Eve curse, you know, like what, like, it's not my fault. Of course there's a curse on new year's Eve. Something bad always happens. Like one New Year's Eve I was working and they made me work. Like, how dare they make me work on new year's Eve? So I'm like, I'm going to get really drunk. So towards the end of the night, when it was midnight, I was standing on top of a table drinking, uh, pouring champagne down my customer's mouth, drinking it. That's not good. They told me go home or, you know, I said, no, I'm not going home. We're going to call the cops. So I'm like, great. The New Year's Eve curse, another New Year's Eve. I got in a fight with a pregnant lady. Like, oh, God. And so I'm like, I'm just not going to go out on New Year's. And so 2011, the night before New Year's Eve, I went to a party with my sisters. And it wasn't like anything horrible. Like, it was just like a normal night of drinking. Like, I woke up in the morning and I was like, hey, sister, what happened last night? And she was like, ugh. Uh, you pissed on someone's lawn. You slapped our friend twice. You're dancing really inappropriately with some woman and our friend's boyfriend. And um, you made us go to Taco Bell. And then you didn't have any money after you ordered all this food. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, my bad. And so that was like the day I was like, oh, okay, like, I think I need to stop drinking? What, what do you think I should do? And my sister was like, just try it for a year. So I'm like, okay. Cause I definitely don't think I could do this for the rest of my life. Like I kind of know I need to, but there's no way I could do that. She was like, just try it for a year. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. So, um, eventually I brought myself back into the room. Um, and when I came here, there was another woman up on stage and it was like, uh, or at the panel, whatever. And she was like, after the meeting, she was like, are there any questions? And I was like, what do I do? I'm 18 days in. Like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, call me, talk to me after the meeting. And that was like my first interaction with, um, like someone in the, and someone in the rooms that like kind of reached out to me, you know, like it was like a personal thing. Like I felt it, like call me, like no one had ever like said that to me before, even though like I took the first step to say like, I need help. But, um, after that, basically what they told me to do is just like, you know, get numbers of women in the program and I was calling and I got a sponsor and, um, you know, I started working the steps and going to meetings almost every day. 
and started, you know, procrastinating a lot on the steps. And that took me to like, not a really cool place. Like two years into it, I finally finished my fourth step. And, um, I was in a lot of shit. Cause I was like walking around with all these feelings. And like, I guess if, I could um, be anyone's poster person for, like, do the steps because it really sucks when you don't. Um, and so after I did my fifth step, it was like shit changed immediately. It wasn't like, oh, I feel so much better. It was just like my actions started changing because I was able to see what I was doing. And um, I was living in L.A. for a while, and then I moved back up here in November, and um, I was just about to start my amends. And I had to be willing to, like, get a new sponsor because my sponsor wasn't going to sponsor me with all this um, space in between us. So um, I I fumbled around for a year, and um, it was, like, really tough, like, not having a sponsor because I didn't have anyone to, like, bounce my thoughts, um, my ideas, you know, check in with daily. And um, I wasn't working the steps, so... Pretty much, I've been, like, stuck on step three. <laughs> She's yawning. <laughs> I've been stuck on step three. <laughs> um, like, learning to let go of my will and try to get God's will. And um, I finally got a sponsor, and she's, like, exactly the sponsor that I need when I stop, like, holding on to, like, my judgments and, like, you know, my will. And um, so now we're... We're on step four again, and we just started yesterday. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's, like, it's pretty scary, like, stepping out there and not knowing exactly, like, what I'm going to get. But pretty much, like, if, what, if I look around the rooms and I see, you know, people with smiles on their faces, I'm like, that's what I want. Like, I want what happy people have, you know. I don't want, like, the bullshit that I feel or that I think, these circles, I want happy, joyous, and free. And, like, if I just stick with the winners and the people that have that happiness, you know, it's like motivation. Like, I want what you have. So, you know, I'll just stick around and one day at a time because I can't stay sober forever, but I can stay sober today. I don't have to drink in between meetings. Um, and tomorrow I'll just do the same thing. And, wow, I got through that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Willis. Hi, Willis. Thank you so much. That was really funny and cool. Uh, welcome, Natasha, Heather, Christina, Io, Mitch, Ruth. Welcome back. If you're coming back to AA, I had to leave AA and come back. So I know what that's like, and I hope that you, that you, this sucks. <laughs> How are we doing? Can you hear me? I don't know what that means. Okay, that I, that I know. Um, I hope you catch alcoholism. That was something that used to be said in AA meetings when I got sober. I rarely hear that anymore. Uh, if ever, I rarely hear um, AA referred to as a lifeboat. I don't know why. Um, but people who uh, welcomed me to AA meetings when I was new, I would hear that in meetings. Uh, I also heard uh, 
I heard that I had a disease that was in the parking lot doing push-ups. Not going to use that one. Um, <laughs> just not my steel. Uh, so uh, my sobriety date is July 24th, 2002. Um, I have uh, several home groups, what I call home groups. One of the main ones over the, uh, I'd say that probably the last 11 or 12 years has been the upper room, Wednesdays at 8 in West Oakland, 12th and Magnolia. Currently, I hear we're moving. I don't know about that. Um, uh, I have a sponsor, and I have currently a sponsee who just finished the traditions. Like, he just kind of went, like, week after week, reading with me and, like, doing the stuff. And I was just like, what's this guy's problem? Like, he's real. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's... It's interesting. He's older than me. He's got a, a kid in college, you know. Uh, his life path is uh, just very different than mine, from mine, but we have a lot in common, namely, uh, uh, for me, what sound and what sounds like in him is a uh, physical allergy combined with a mental obsession to keep drinking. And that was something that was articulated by one of you guys at one of my first meetings back. And I really, really knew that people in AA had a solution to the thing that I happened to suffer from, which was getting drunk every day and suffering. Um, and what I, so I started my path for my education. Uh, in sobriety and recovery, uh, with no place to live, no job leads, no money, no savings, no ID, uh, like no ID. So, uh, that was fun. That was, that's a good, that's a good thing to remember though. It was really, really hard to put all that stuff together and to remain patient with myself day after day until, um, things one by one uh, began to manifest. Um, something that was told to me right off the bat was it gets better. Um, things like the job will find you. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing the next right thing. Uh, but the most important thing that I paid attention to in my first uh days back was take suggestions. And I knew that that must be important because they're not on the wall. So there was some kind of in and out burger secret menu to, you know, <laughs> one of the suggestions was work the steps with a sponsor. I was like, check, but like, you know, if, what about all the suggestions? What are they? Where are they? People are like, you listen for them in meetings. And I was like, fucking, I got it. Right? Tell you what? I brought, dude, I wrote it down. I wrote them down. They're like, there's a lot in living sober, but you might have trouble reading, which I did. Um, I couldn't uh, read for, like, successfully for several years uh, in the end of my drinking and on into my sobriety. I could read the big book with a sponsor. I got some uh, really healthy, healthy. I got some good practical, good orderly direction out of uh, 
out of living sober. There's some old timey stuff in there, like keep candy. What's that? Keep candy in your pocket or chocolate when you're feeling edgy or agitated. And I was like, really? Like, what is, is this a diet program? Or, you know, I was all, why? And like, somebody, you know, very snarkily told me like, you've been drinking profusely for several years, correct? And I'm like, that's right. And they're like, alcohol turns into sugar in your system. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. So that really did actually help me was like keeping sweets on me. I mean, like, you know, I don't know if, uh, and like, I love candy bars. So, I mean, it was good. It was a good deal. I was like, <laughs> it, it really helped me out. Uh, I was getting agitated, uh, and resentful, uh, all the time, every day. Um, but I was going to meetings. I'm not really, I know that I, I just sort of bypassed the the drunkalog sort of you know um i figure that if you're at this meeting on a saturday night in alcoholics anonymous you're probably here for the same reason that i'm here which is like that i have had a serious uh and deadly drinking problem and um so uh i used alcohol to isolate i used alcohol to socialize I used alcohol to celebrate, to, uh, to bypass mourning or grieving, to numb that shit out. I would get the opportunity to do that full-fledged sober, and that is a real growth thing. I can't wait for you guys to experience if you haven't. Um, uh, I used it medicinally to... Uh, to reinforce denials about my life and to push away fear. Fears, plural, many, a hundred forms of fear. And um, so you might not identify with those things that I've rattled off, right? Like maybe you drank to party, right? But you are, you experience consequences like, being sent to rehab, that was not my path, but maybe that was yours. Or you went to jail, or you have a DUI, and you have to have a thing signed, or whatever. Like, that is fine. That is totally fine. If you don't relate to my particular story or my relationship with alcohol, um, or my relationship with Alcoholics Anonymous, um, which is also like my uh, primary spiritual home. I know that sounds kind of lofty sounding and religious, uh, but this is the place where I was introduced to uh, a spiritual idea that I was um, that was uh, that was my call that I was uh, responsible for working with and collaborating with and uh, naming attributes for and you know working for and that it has been a really good deal for this alcoholic. I'm extremely sensitive. Um, I'm, uh, I'm the family scapegoat in my family. Um, uh, also the son of a scapegoat. So it's sort of like generationally compounded into me onto, to this day, you know, to, you know, it's like, doesn't, you know, they don't, you know, I can, uh, 
Um, but there's other programs for that. I can talk to you about that after the meeting. Um, so I was, uh, I was doing service at, uh, a couple days sober. I was being dragged from meeting to meeting by, uh, these young guys in AA who put me on their couch. Um, young people's meetings and they're like, are you want to stay for, do you want to stay for the, the, the business meeting? I really think you should. And I was like, well, no, I, yeah, yeah, I'll stay. Yeah. Why not? What, it, what, what, what business? And they're like, uh, so we need a new coffee maker. Do we have any volunteers? Willis, do you want to make coffee? Everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My first resentment was set in stone with, right in that moment. Uh, they is the same exact coffee maker, pitcher by pitcher thing that's at central office. Anybody who's done coffee at central office knows that is kind of a pain in the ass. Like, do you guys want to get an urn? No? All right. We'll just do it pitcher by pitcher. And like at that time, Monday Night Young People's was about as popular as this, except all hyphy as fuck out of their tree. <laughs> Teenagers and early 20-somethings just fucking, yo, man, can I get a latte? I'd be like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I should add, is there a swearing clause at this meeting? No. Fuck yeah. So I should add that I was 30 years old just a couple weeks. Uh, uh, I was 30 in a couple weeks, 30 in some weeks. So... Um, and most of these people were like quite younger than me. Um, my roommates were going to DVC and Cal and playing rugby and hacky sacking and all sorts of real fun guy shit, you know, like I'm like, a, I'm like a cowboy boots and my hair's falling out and I'm just all like. Why do you guys, why are you so lame? And then I met, <laughs> then Oliver came back from summer vacation and I was like, there's another room. Cause it's like, I'm like, we got, there's like seven dudes in this house. And Oliver was like ambiguously like straight or gay. Like he didn't know. And he was like really pixie faced and very studious. And he was just like, there's this guy. <laughs> I'm Oliver. And I'm all, like, I'm Willis. I want to say I liked him right away, but it was just... <laughs> Move to my room. It was so weird. And uh, at one point I was washing the dishes because I washed the dishes three times a day in that house. Go figure. And um, I was... And uh, I would think I was muttering something. I was probably just talking straight out loud shit on one of those dudes. And, like, Oliver just stood next to me and was just sort of like. <laughs> I like you, Willis. You can hang out with me anytime. And like this guy talked me through so many resentments. He wasn't my sponsor. It was like, um, I was told early on, like, even if you're not, into the steps, even if you're just, you know, packing Snickers or whatever, get a meeting buddy, somebody that you've gotten sober with. And he was one of these dudes. He became a 10 step buddy and like one of my best friends. And, um, I'm really sad. He lives in Seattle now, but like we still stay in touch, but, um, 
he gave me a, he uh, gave me, he, it wasn't a suggestion or advice, but he listened to me on the phone one night go on some kind of tirade, probably about a girl or an ex or something I was in fear about or, well, that was it. He goes, uh, um, he waited until I was like, you know, passed out, out of breath. You know, and he's like, um, Willis, what are you afraid of? And I was like, that's a really mm-hmm. fucking good question, Oliver. Let me think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and I did like get real with him. I had to get very, he was asking me to be rigorously honest with him in that moment. And I said, I'm afraid of being embarrassed. And like, whatever the situation was, I can't really put my finger on. And like, the further we talked about it, he goes, yeah, he's like, I I totally understand that. Is there something that goes along with that? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm really afraid of being abandoned. I had no idea where the shit came from. And, um, at six months sober, uh, I was, um, brought to the area H and I meeting by my sponsor, Skater Dave, my first sponsor. And, uh, we were making, I can't, that hissing sound is so unnerving. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, and they're like, I'm like, why are we here? Is it to some weird smelly church room and all these really happy people just stacking books all yip, 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 yip. <laughs> And he's like, they're like, they start the meeting and they're going through people with commitments and stuff like that. They're like, is our liaison here? And he's like, here, I have to step down because of, you know, I got to go skateboarding. I don't know what he said. And, uh, and they're like, okay, do we, are there anybody here who would uh, like to volunteer? Does anybody have a nomination for for the position for H and I liaison to the area our, our area meeting? And he goes, put your hand up, and I'm all, why? And they're like, oh, great, <laughs> Willis, fantastic, and thusly again the AA railroad choo choo got railroaded into that one, and um. And so I started doing uh, H&I service and area service. Um, all that stuff is like learning the hard way, you know, like uh, H&I is uh, part of AA, but it's not. It has its own rules and it has its own function. And uh, there's a lot of stuff to really learn uh, from doing that kind of service that was very different than, you know, what we do here. Does this go in and out? I'm totally getting paranoid. It's okay? I'll just trust you guys. And, um, you know, like I, I took a meeting into Thunder Road. There was a kid that wanted to be sponsored. I, I sponsored him through the fifth step into the amends process until somebody goes, you're not really supposed to be sponsoring that kid. And I was like, oh, why? And they're like, you got, dude, read the pink pamphlet again. You know, like I would thought, I was just all so consumed with like, I've got to serve. i got to do all this, you know. And, uh, but the kid did the work. I mean, this, he just, he became a pastry chef. He became a marathon runner. He's living in New Zealand. Like, I'm just like, I've no, I don't know if he's still sober. Really cool guy. And um, he was very young and he had that willingness, you know, like he was desperate 
to get sober, but I had to, uh, he left Thunder Road and, uh, I have not since that time sponsored a person who is in a program because I want to abide. I don't want to put my desire. I don't want to inflict help on anybody when there's rules, right? <laughs> you know, if I want to like do that, I'll just walk, I'll just go to Thunder Road and be like, hey man, I'm fucking like an AA guy and I want to save some fool. Where are your fools? They'll be like, that's great because they, we tell them they need sponsees. You know, it's like we have to learn cooperation the best we can from, from the places where it comes. And, um, uh, so it's been an interesting, like I, I think I use the word education, uh, in here and stuff. Uh, the thing it brings me back to is like, um, you know, it was probably some one of these old timers that, you know, just totally just, you know, unwrapped a resentment for me. Like, right, but you can't sponsor it, dude. You don't know the rules. And I'm all like, oh, fuck, hate that guy. And he was right. And I had a consequence, you know, so we learned to, um, eat humble pie and enjoy it. Tough crowd. Am I that boring? Who's texting? Who's, right. um, I, um, just a quick jam through the steps. Cause I'm sure I'm, I, I've got a lot of hot air in me and I'm pretty close to time. I'm, uh, am I close to time? No. All right. No, I'm getting just a look. No. Um, I think, I think if you're here in AA or you're back in AA, you've done the first three steps. I mean, that's how I felt. I was, uh, I don't know why that's funny, but, uh, I was, I was, I was physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally bankrupt. Like, I had, had the DTs. I was, I felt like I was unsafe to myself and others. Um, and I immediately felt like, um, much safer once I was here in meetings with you guys. And, uh, um, they're like, Hey man, you're, you're a powerless fool. So if you, uh, want a higher power, we can be it. We're a group of drunks. I'm like, that'll work. That changed over time, but that worked for me. Um, uh, like I said, I got a sponsor really early on and we were, I was writing my fourth step very, uh, I had gone out before doing my, finishing my fourth step last time, my first time in AA. And I was petrified of getting struck drunk. So, um, and I made the mistake of, uh, lipping off, you know, not lipping off, but just saying that out loud in front of some of my AA nerd roommates and they're like, oh, oh shit, check it out. Willis is afraid of doing his fourth step wrong. Oh shit, hey man, come here, Billy. Like Billy, like come here, <laughs> Billy and Luke and let's all have a powwow and tell Willis our fourth and fifth step stories. And I'm all like, oh, which they did. And, um, the, the biggest message that I came that I took from that didn't have to do that. They did that. Was, um, like, you're afraid of doing it wrong. Why don't you set out to make, why don't you set out to do the worst fourth step in the history of AA? Just be thorough about it. Only you know the first column. Only you know the people, places, and things that you have resentments towards. That's, that's the you part. First two columns. Like, and if you don't know what that affects, 
because you're fried, if you don't know what your part is, then fucking take it to him anyway, because it's his job to help you fill it out. Okay? And that's what I tell people. It's really crucial to for me to express that the only reason I'm sober today is because I got through this process. I got through that fear. And uh, I did like a crappy fourth step, except that first column and that second column, who and what, like what happened, that shit was as thorough as far as I could remember at that time. And, um, and in one night, I was through uh, step seven. So I really kind of wonder, because we did it out of the big book of AA, I really wonder why people are on the sixth step for anything longer than a few minutes or, <laughs> or the seventh step. I don't know what book they're using. You know? Um, I could be dead. I could definitely be dead. I could be drinking or dead. It even says in the book, this is a life and death errand. So when somebody's willing to read with me uh, week after week and do the writing and start hitting the pavement and contacting people and writing their wrongs, like it gives me the greatest feeling. Uh, I was going to say joy, you know, like the adequate re replacement for the buzz of alcohol. No, no. I mean, Bushmills whiskey is perfection in a bottle. I don't give a fuck what any of you guys think. <laughs> You know, it's a bummer. It's a big sacrifice, right? <laughs> doing your fucking inventory and doing your amends and doing AA and doing service in AA and in the outside world does not get you high. It does not get you drunk. As an adequate replacement, we get things like we get return to humility. We get return to sanity. We get gratitude. And if you are fortunate enough to stay around, you will hear old-timers talk about grace. And you will feel grace in your life. And you'll acknowledge it, too. Um, 10, 11, and 12 are con considered the maintenance steps, and I was like, I'm not going to be one of these maintenance step working people. You know, like, <laughs> that sounds like stupid. Because uh, there's there are other people in AA are just like, no. When I get done with the steps, I start them right over again because like I want to be in the process or whatever. And like what I found over time is like there's no right or wrong way to do the steps. Thank you. Uh, if you get through the steps, and I did do that, I worked the steps all the way through a few times in a row until I was just like. Oh, I see what the maintenance steps are all about. 10, 11, and 12 are a constant sort of inventory processing, righting wrongs as we go, amend-making, checking in with God process now that I have one, right? And so I know it's dull, but, I mean, I'll get to the spicy stuff in, like, five minutes. All right, he's gone. <laughs> I can't hold my piss, dude. I got fucking piss, man. <laughs> That was me. That was Neo. She's like, fuck this guy, man. Fucking white-haired fool. You know. 
Um, uh, did I, I think I mentioned earlier, like having a, uh, a 10th step buddy. The 10th step is a spot check inventory, daily inventory. And, um, which is like, when you do this stuff, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta write it down, dude. You gotta have, you gotta have this and this and this and this ready at the end of, you gotta have it on your bedside table or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then because you feel bad and you wrote it down, you gotta call somebody and you gotta talk it out right away. And then you gotta talk to God. And then if you did anything bad the next day or as soon as possible, you gotta go and you gotta apologize to that person for whatever. And because, like, I'm a se- overly sensitive person, uh, out in the world, 43 years old, I should have just stockpiles of emotional maturity and, like, fucking, I should just be, like, you know, halo dude, like, walking, just, like, always doing the right thing, you know, all the right moves. <laughs> That's not what we get. And I don't trust people who behave that way. You know, they're just all, well, <laughs> good to see you. I'm like, I'm going to share, you know, all, you know, I just, and I'm all like, wow, that's fucking super awesome. I'll graduate to that one day. But in the meantime, like I'll get mad in traffic or, you know, uh, somebody will slight me and I'll be like, step off motherfucker. Right. And like, <laughs> You know, standing up for oneself sometimes when you're an alcoholic can come out sideways. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's when we do that enough times where we recognize that that type of uh, emotional aftermath doesn't serve us, really. Uh, they call it emotional hangover. That we have to, like, really bu- try to bear down harder, I feel, on, like, on our behavior and, like, what we internalize and, like, what we are... Um, you know, affected by or offended by. Um, I feel like there's a lot that has changed uh, in my life and in sobriety since the time I got sober. Um, AA has allowed me to think and act freely. To in like I don't I'm not gonna force that down anybody's throat or like into your brain, but like. Uh, nobody tells me what to read. Nobody tells me what kind of art to make. Nobody tells me how to behave to my family or what, or, or, uh, that it's okay to take abusive shit from my family. I come from a really psychologically abusive family, generationally. And, uh, um, and I was that person who really wanted this desperately when I got sober. And I was the newcomer. Not who put up his hand because he was told to or because he wanted to thank the angels or like describe his, you know, pink cloud in 3D. I was not that guy. I was the person going, you guys, same contradictory. This seems very strange. You guys talk, talks, but you don't walk, walks. And I would find people here and there that did now. Okay. That did actually walk their walk and they were usually happy. They were usually doing service of some kind. And, um, and these are like the gifts that we can take back into the world and be of service to, uh, uh, maybe some of our nicer family members 
Um, I had laid my grandma to rest uh, after being with her for nine months in Pasadena, and that was the hardest thing to endure is her death. Sober, hands down, breakups, everything. Uh, watching my grandmother pass away was supposed to be a super uh, gift. AA's talked about uh, the 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 aftermath of that was the hardest thing I've had to recover from, and I miss her every day. And she was the only person in my family who loved me unconditionally. It was because of her that I was I listened when she told the story of the family friend that was in AA. So the message comes from wherever it comes from, and I. You know, you know, like you got a gut and you know what those messages are. So, um, before I close, like, um, uh, I'm going to opine if I may, I've got you guys all hostage. So, um, I think that I'm a user of social media. And I think it is uh, a new, a new escape route for people from the rooms. Um, I've watched it happen in 13 years. Um, I think when people are encouraged to use an interface and not talk to each other, that's dangerous. That's not what AA taught me. So I highly encourage anybody who is trying AA to read everything, befriend old timers, um, and see what it is that this program has. Not what, like, the Facebook group that's kind of related to the program might have, besides whatever it is, but, like, the concrete and substantial life-changing things that go on here every day. And it's harder to pay attention to the newcomer who gets it and whose lights come on when they're behind their computer or when you're behind yours, etc. And so that's why I keep coming back to AA. You guys taught me how to ask for help. And I keep coming back to AA because I still need help and I still need to remain teachable. And if I remain teachable, if I remain teachable, I stand a greater chance that my smugness and my arrogance and the things that still linger that I try to work on will dissipate over time. Um, so I want to thank you for my sobriety. And uh, I am speaking tonight for Ignacio, who is a good friend of mine who got 20 years just this week, who got a phone call from a friend of his from the ICU. The person had relapsed, and they are uh, so they have liver failure, and they have like less than a 50 50 chance of living. So I said, "Go be with that dude, and if you make it back over the bridge." I'll be here to cover for you, and if not, so I mean, like, um, uh, but he'll be back. I think he's going to be put in the roster and maybe say a little prayer for him or whatever and his friend, uh, but that's what we do. Um, if there's any comfort and solace that he could bring that guy, he was going to do it, 
you know? And he is the funniest, most outrageous dude I know in AA. Like, he he sets the bar for, like... I mean, they, they, you got comedians that started in AA. Dude, this guy blows them all away, right? So um, I can't wait for him to be here and share it for you guys. I hope I've been an adequate substitute. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.